Welcome to this edition of the ILO's Future of Work podcast. I am Jackie Bichikongate. Every migrant worker has a story to tell. The motivations to leave home and seek work overseas, the challenges they face, and their hopes and fears for the future. Yet, despite a raft of research on migration, little is known about one important group: migrant workers with diverse sexual orientation, gender identity, and expression, or SOGI for short. With me today to discuss this is Emily Dwyer. Emily is a trans woman, co-founder of Australian NGO The Edge Effect, and the lead author of a new report entitled "A Very Beautiful but Heavy Jacket: The Experiences of Migrant Workers with Diverse Sexual Orientation, Gender Identity, and Expression in Southeast Asia." Emily, welcome to the Future of Work podcast. Thank you very much, Jackie. It's wonderful to be here and to share what we found um, with people. Um, doing work in this area in Southeast Asia and, and around the world. Emily, let's start by talking about acronyms. Uh, many people are aware of the LGBTQI plus acronym. However, they may be less aware of SOGI. Why the new acronym and how does it differ from LGBTQI plus? Yeah, the, the first thing I'd say, Jackie, is is uh, I'd, I'd encourage people not to get too hung up on the language. Um, I think within the LGBTIQ communities or communities of people with diverse sexual orientations, gender identity and expressions and sex characteristics, there are, there are lots of differences, there are lots of nuances and you know, language is, is important. Um, but in this case, the, the issues are far more, more important than the language that we use. The report looks uh, at migrant workers with diverse SOGI. Just how big a group is this? We, we don't know how many migrant workers there are with diverse SOGI. Um, in fact, in, in most countries in the world, um, LGBTIQ people or people with diverse SOGI um, are not counted in, in censuses or in, in other data collection exercises. That, that's true also um, when we're looking at um, the labour sector, uh, when we're talking about uh, migrant workers. Um, so we don't know. In, in some respects, it doesn't matter. Either, um, we, I mean, we know that LGBTIQ people or people with diverse surgery are everywhere. Um, so it's, and we know that from talking to some people, including the 147 migrant workers with diverse surgery that we talked to for this report, we know that that they're out there, um, and that's in in a way that's enough. Right? So it, 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 we don't need to know exactly how many. Um, we don't know, need to know how many are, are lesbians or how many are gay or how many are transgender. It's enough to know that there are uh, migrant workers with diverse surgery who, who are out there. Um, and because they're out there, then um, the, the sector policymakers, service providers, um, other stakeholders need to take into, into account that they do exist, that they often will have different life experiences uh, and um, their service needs um, might be different as well. And what did the report set out to achieve? The report really was trying to 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 sketch a picture of of who these migrant workers with diverse SOGI are, um, why they go into migrant work, what their experiences are along the migrant work journey, how successful they are, um, whether they do um, get support from other migrant workers, whether they are able to get support 
um, from different stakeholders, um, in, including service providers in their countries of destination and, and, and what happens to them afterwards. Um, and there are some positive stories, but also some really challenging um, and really, really deeply concerning um, stories about what happens to people with diverse OG when they're migrant workers as, as well. The report has a very interesting title. How did that come about? The title of the report, a very beautiful but, but heavy jacket, it's a quote which actually comes from one of the migrant workers, um, a man uh, from Vietnam, uh, who used this to, to describe the, the weight that he carries around, being a person with, with diverse soji. I mean, it's something that is really, it's a deep part of, of his existence, uh, of who he is as a person. Um, to be a person with, with diverse soji, in, in this case, a, a bisexual man from Vietnam. Um, so it's, it's something which is, which is beautiful, which is part of, of who he is, but it's also something that he feels a need to hide when he's working as a migrant worker because he's concerned about uh, whether he'll experience discrimination from other migrant workers, whether he'll experience discrimination from employers, whether his contract will be terminated and he'll forced to all of a sudden go home, um, whether he might experience violence um, or other forms of harassment a- a- along the way. What motivates those with diverse soji to seek work in other countries? Well, to some extent, it's the same thing that drives anyone else to be a, to be a migrant worker. I think, and seventy two percent of the migrant workers that that we um, talked with for this uh, report said that they they migrated for for economic advancement. So they're they're looking for economic opportunities that they don't have um, in in their countries of origin. Um, and but I think you need to sort of take a step back and unpack that and say, well, well, why don't they have the economic opportunities that, that they hope for in their countries of origin. And LGBTIQ people, people with diverse soji, face lots and lots of discrimination and, and, and challenges in, in, all, in all aspects of their life. So it might be very difficult to get a job as an LGBTI person or a person with diverse soji. You might not have the same opportunities for, for advancement in, in, the, in the workplace as, as people who are, who are not people with diverse soji or who are, who are not um, LGBTI. As well as that 72% who, who said that they were migrating or doing migrant work for economic advancement, 41% also said that they were trying to escape discrimination or, or trying to gain access to new freedoms. So I guess as, as well as the, the opportunity to work, the opportunity to make money, people are, are also trying to get away from some of that discrimination that they've experienced as a person with diverse surgery. Um, and they're also trying to, I guess, put themselves in a position where they can explore who they are. Um, and sometimes it's easier to do that when you know, you're not surrounded by your own family or, or, or people who've known you for your, your whole life that, to that point. So what challenges do workers with diverse soji face when they migrate? Yeah, quite a, quite a, quite a few, Jackie. Um, so... It starts back in the country of origin, so um, they might um, not feel that they can um, go to the kinds of support services that exist in countries of origin, where people can get information about the country of destination, where they can get information about being a migrant worker. Uh, they might not feel that they can that they can go to those government services or um, uh, civil society services and say, well, I'm an LGBTIQ person, or I'm a person with diverse OG, I'm gay, I'm lesbian, I'm a trans person. You know, I'm going to this country, what should I expect 
Are there going to be services there? Um, am I going to be able to get help if something goes wrong? Um, is there discrimination? So these are the kinds of questions that people often have as an LGBTI person or a person with diverse SOGI before they go into migrant work. And it's often hard to get answers to those questions. Then, you know, if they do, do decide to go down the path of being a migrant worker, um, the next big hurdle is getting over a border. Um, some people use brokers um, or other agents. Um, some people don't. Um, some people have more or less trouble crossing crossing borders. So some people with diverse SOGI are a little more visible than others. Um, so, for example, a trans person um, who's sort of who's, who's already transitioned into their own uh, gender um, might um, look different to what their identity documents say. Because in, in lots of countries, as a as a trans woman, your identity documents will still say you're a man. Or if you're a trans man your identity documents will still say you're a woman. So when you cross borders, this can cause lots of problems. Um, sometimes lesbians or gay people or, or others um, uh, will have a gender expression that is also obvious as well. And so they'll get targeted maybe for a bit of discrimination or harassment. There was one, a couple of horrible stories where people were subject to sexual abuse by border officials um, you know, uh, and only just escaped from some really horrible situations. And how about when they arrive in their country of destination to start work. And then a, a variety of, of, of things can happen. And, and I should say some people ha had, had pretty good experiences, and we'll, we'll talk about the, that a, a little later. Um, but in terms of, of discrimination, uh, it, it came from a variety of different sources within the countries of destination. Um, a lot of it actually came from other migrant workers. So um, this was particularly noted by migrant workers coming from from Myanmar, who were in Thailand, but also from other countries, uh, where they said that you know it was other migrant workers from Myanmar who were uh, amongst the people who who were you know, treating them the worst, and, and this is often a really really big problem because migrant workers are often isolated within their countries of destination. They might not uh, have an opportunity to socialise much with with, um, with with people from that country of destination. They might their housing might be where they work. So they, they spend a lot of time with other migrant workers. And if those migrant workers are discriminating against them, then well, where do they go? Well, they don't, they don't have any, anywhere else to go. So it can be a dangerous and, and very isolating uh, kind of experience. It also means that uh, when there are service providers, um, government organisations or civil society organisations or other stakeholders in the labour movement who are you know, providing support, Often they don't feel like it's safe to use that support because they know that there'll be other migrant workers there, and again they might they might face discrimination. So that's a big part of it. Uh, another part of it is uh, discrimination from uh, from government authorities, um, and that can be people who who work in government departments who are responsible for you know visas and permits of different of different kinds. Uh, there's a lot of fear of, of police uh, and, and people in, in, in policing roles, especially for migrant workers with diverse SOGI who may not be documented. So some migrant workers you know, travel with formal documentation and approvals and visas and contracts and so forth. Others cross borders and hope that they will work something out uh, when they get to their country of destination, and they're particularly vulnerable. So if you add being an undocumented migrant worker plus being a person with diverse SOGI, that can create a situation where there's a lot of potential for discrimination and violence. 
Um, and migrant workers are often scared that if they interact with police, um, that they'll get found out. They might get discriminated against. They might lose their, their access to work in, in, in that country. Are there any specific sectors that workers with diverse SOGI gravitate towards? I should say that the people with diverse SOGI as migrant workers went to all kinds of different sectors, some to agriculture, some to manufacturing, um, some to, to services, some to adult entertainment um, and uh, food, food and beverage, um, all kinds of different, different sectors. Um, in some sectors more than others, there's probably experiences of discrimination. So um, migrant workers with diverse surgery who went into uh, domestic work, for example, were often isolated. You know, maybe they were they were living in um, the, the place where they were uh, uh, working as a domestic worker, um, and so particularly vulnerable to discrimination and exploitation. Some people who worked in adult entertainment or the bar scene and things like that also found discrimination from employers and, and, and clients, um, customers of, of those services as, as well uh, fr- from time to time. So a lot, there's a lot going on there, uh, a lot for people to, to navigate. Um, some people managed managed to do that really well. Uh, other other people, you know, had some really disturbing experiences where, you know, th- there were instances of rape, of, of sexual assault, of, of physical violence, of, of people losing jobs, um, of, of people not being paid what they should be paid, uh, and you know, to some extent, these are all these are experiences that, that a lot of other migrant workers have. And I think one of the things that we were trying to do with this report was really say that well. Yeah, I mean, migrant workers with diverse SOGI I mean, have a lot of the same kinds of challenges, um, experiences, successes maybe as other migrant workers, but there are also some things which are specific, which are different um, for migrant workers with uh, diverse SOGI. Um, and that's why service providers and policymakers and other stakeholders really need to pay more attention um, to the data in this report, the stories that, that, that are in the report. There's lots of stories, lots of quotes from migrant workers, um, and we really need to do a better job of taking into account the, the differences of experience. You mentioned earlier that workers with diverse SOGI did have positive experiences. Can you tell us about them? Yeah, well, I mean, some people, I mean, set achieved what they set out to achieve. So we mentioned earlier that, that about 72% of uh, migrant workers with diverse SOGI that, that we spoke to were migrating for economic reasons. Um, and of those, about 63% said that they were able to, to make ends meet in their countries of destination, but they also were able to, um, to save money um, and in some cases remit money um, back to their families in, in their countries of origin. They were able to develop new skills um, as as workers, uh, and with that experience, they were also when they went back to their countries of destination, they also had an opportunity to to do work that they wouldn't have otherwise uh, done. Um, some people were able to set up their own businesses um, and to, and to have independence and demonstrate that you know people with diverse SOGI or LGBTIQ people can be successful. So. There were certainly economic um, success stories. Um, 59% of, of migrant workers that we spoke to said that their, their quality of life um, in their countries of destination was higher than their countries of origin, countries where they came from. Part of that's economic and, and part of that is the, um, the increased freedom uh, or, or that they might be experiencing as a, as a person. Uh, I mentioned a moment ago that um, some migrant workers were able to remit funds 
um, to their, their families. And one of the interesting things that emerged from that is that we, we found that of the migrant workers who did remit funds, about 43% of those migrant workers said that it really improved the relationships they had with their families. It's clear that migrant workers with diverse soji face a lot of challenges. What needs to change? Quite a lot. Um, I, I think one thing to sort of separate out is is direct discrimination and indirect discrimination. So when we talk about direct discrimination, we're talking about um, you know, people who actively discriminated against people with diverse soji or LGBTI people, you know, who who have views that LGBTI people, people with diverse soji are, you know, are wrong, are sick, uh, shouldn't exist, uh, um, are confused, uh, immoral, anti-religious, uh, and, and, and treat them badly, um, say things to them, actively hold them back, um, punish them, um, you know, enact violence upon them and, and, and so forth. And that's something that obviously we need to stamp out. That's just not acceptable in the world of work or in any other aspects of, of, of people's lives. The second area, though, that we really need to put more attention on is indirect discrimination. And so it was interesting that, that one of the things, because we talked to a lot of migrant workers, but we also talked to uh, service providers um, in countries of origin and, and, and countries of destination. And it was interesting because we, we found that amongst those service providers, um, just um, 18% of their staff had received um, training on diversity of, of sexual orientation or gender identity um, and expression. So more, more than three quarters, no training at all. When we asked them about the kinds of materials or they have or the services they provide, only 4%, 4% of, of those service providers actually have specific materials or services for people with diverse um, SOGI. So there's an assumption here that LGBTI people, people with diverse SOGI can just use the same services as, as everyone else. But that's not always true because our life experiences are different. Um, because we might fear discrimination for really good reasons. Um, and so we don't go and access services in the same way that other people do. So it's not enough just to say that you don't discriminate. We had lots of people saying, oh, we don't discriminate. Anyone can come here. But that's not enough. You actually have, as a service provider, uh, as a stakeholder, as a policymaker, you have to go a step further and, and think, well, what are the positive steps that we can take to address the fact that, that LGBTIQ people have specific challenges, have specific experiences. And that doing that requires a lot more research. It requires organisations to understand these issues. Um, it requires funding um, to be put into to addressing these issues. So there's lots of different things that need to change. It's, it's not just one thing. Um, Part, partly it's, it's, it's about dealing with direct discrimination, but partly it's about this big area of work where we need more policy, um, we need more funding, we need more services that are, are actually responsive to the actual needs of LGBTIQ people. Um, and, and, and that actually, that, that really involve um, those migrant workers with diverse SOGI in the development of, of these resources. 
That's a great note to finish on. Emily, thank you very much for joining us today. It's been great talking to you. If you want to find out more about this study, a very beautiful but heavy jacket, the experiences of migrant workers with diverse sexual orientation, gender identities and expressions in Southeast Asia, you can find the link on the webpage of this podcast on the ILO website. Join us again soon for another edition of the ILO's Future of Work podcast. I am Jackie Pichit from Gate. Thank you for listening. Thank you.